Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 65. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of the Rootless Living Magazine. If you haven't already, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription and start reading the only magazine that is covering what it's like to have a life that is still full of travel while you're working, aka being a digital nomad. So on this episode, I chat with Josh and Amy, and we get to talk about what it's like being inspired by an unlikely source to hit the road. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Josh and Amy to the show. How are you guys? We're We're good. We're doing great. Thanks for having us. I'm excited to have you guys. Where are you in the world right now? Uh, So we are camping um, on the west side of Utah Lake, uh, about an hour's drive south of um, Salt Lake City. Nice. And um, what are you guys uh, traveling in? So we travel uh, in a, uh, well, we live in our truck camper, which is a Cirrus 800 uh, 2016 truck camper. Um, And that's on top of our 2004 uh, Chevy Silverado 2500. And then we also, we don't tow it, but we bring along another vehicle, which is a 2008 Honda Element. Nice. Is this full-time, sometime, part-time? Where are you guys at right now? Uh, we are full-time. Definitely full-time. Yeah. Nice. And when did full-time start for you guys? Um, well, we usually say May of 2019. That's when we sold our house. Yeah, that's when uh, we handed over the keys so, to the new owners of our home. Yeah. And so we were living full-time in the camper, but we didn't actually hit the road then. Yeah, we, uh, we kind of lived in a friend's driveway until about September of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, kind of start traveling from there. So nice. All right, well, let's go back to before you guys sold the house. When did the idea of going full time hit you? How long did it take? And you know, walk us through a little bit of the kind of the downsizing process. I'm assuming you didn't live in a house smaller than a, a camper trailer, but we'll, we'll find <laughs> out. But take me through all that. When was that, and how were those conversations started? Yeah, so I, I think it really sort of originated around uh, the beginning of 2017. Uh, we were living in, a, we had a small rancher um, and we had two dogs. We don't have any kids. We had two dogs that were getting kind of older and um, we were working, you know, we both had full-time jobs doing kind of the grind, uh, the daily commute and all that fun stuff. And um, at some point we made this list. We had this like five-year plan is what we said it was. Uh, And it was just one of the things on there was to travel more in the camper. And then one of the other things on there was to become debt-free. We felt like we had all this debt at that point. And, um, And so that was kind of the beginning of it. I don't think we knew right then what it what it was going to become, you know? And so it wasn't until, and then one of the things on our list too was uh, waiting for our dogs to live out their lives. And um, so our first dog, Harley, who we sort of, we named our travels chasing Harley. And that was after our, Josh's dog, Harley. Mm-hmm. He, um, he passed first in 2018 and um, that sort of then sparked this, like, we need to really make a plan here. Like, are we going to do this? What are we going to do? And, um, and so our first plan was like a year and a half long uh, and it was to pay off all this debt. And we were going to AT the Appalachian trail starting in uh, April of 2020. But then our other dog passed, um, like about a year later, she passed. And so there we were in this house, um, 
no dogs anymore. And we were like, what are we doing? <laughs> and so a lawn that had to be mowed for nobody to really use it anymore. Right. Yeah. The <laughs> Spenston backyard. backyard that we were playing in. Right. And um, we, we went on a hike and I was like doing all this mad math about our debt and how are we going to make money? And we had heard of Amazon camper force. And so which is a work camping gig. And on the way to the hike, I looked up, uh, when were they hiring people, you know, and it said, this was, this was March of 2019 and Amazon was hiring for uh, Christmas, 2019, like December of 2019. And we both were like, we got to turn around and get back home and apply for Amazon. And so that's exactly what we did. And then two weeks later, we were living in the camper in our own driveway while we were trying to sell the house. Right <laughs> and so the house went on the market that April and um, was, you know, we handed the keys over, like Josh said, May 17th of 2019. And then we, uh, lived in our friend's driveway and eventually made it to Kentucky where we started our first work camping job. So yeah, yeah that was it. <laughs> but it sounds like you had the rig ahead of time in the sense that, so were you guys like weekenders for the most part, or was it something you had to bring into the plan since 2017? Like how long have you guys been, you know, camping, RVing, that type of stuff? Yeah. So, um, well, I, I grew up, uh, my parents actually had, there was, but um, pop-up campers. We had two pop-up campers <laughs> over the time I was a kid. Um, and uh, so when I became an adult, I kind of wanted one of my own. Um, but I remembered how much I disliked the pop-up campers. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we actually originally bought a little uh, hard side uh, teardrop, teardrop, like a, a tab camper. Um, and we camped in, on the weekends in that um, for about six years. Um, my family has some property in uh, West Virginia that we would go to a lot on the weekends. Um, and after a while, I just got tired of not being able to stand up in it. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I was like, you know, but well, and we had two yellow labs, two big yellow two labs dogs, that we were yeah. camping with, you know, and I was kind of like, I really could use my own space on the bed and, and something that I can stand in. So um, we kind of started looking and we actually saw a Cirrus truck camper at an RV show. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really think much of it at the time, I think. But then um, we happened to see another one for sale at a dealer near us, uh, what, a few months later or something mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. So um, that was June of 2016. Mm -hmm. We bought our camper. Um, and, you know, we decided we liked the truck campers uh, mostly just because of the design. And um, it felt really durable when we walked into it and that kind of thing. And, uh, We've had a lot of adventures in it since then. And when we decided to go full-time, we, you know, a lot of our, our mantra was kind of do it with what you got, <laughs> you know, and that's what we had. And um, so and, far, we're glad that's what we're still doing. With and, th and that's what was paid off, you know, right, so right. <laughs> uh, we didn't want to go into any more debt and that's what we left with. But okay. we did, I know that's one of your things too, Damien, is you got to be able to stand up in it. And so in our, in our tab, I'm five, two. So I had, no problem standing up but josh is, is six one, six one so anyway. uh he needed a, something a little bit taller so the truck camper fits him gotcha no that makes sense i, I don't think i've had i don't want to say i've never had a truck camper on the show because i can't 100 percent remember but it's not something that comes up in conversations a lot when people are like hey what should i get a fifth wheel or a class a and then obviously right. people will throw in you know class c's and you know bumper poles kind of a thing 
And what drew you guys to that originally? I mean, because obviously if you're looking for places that you can, one, have more room and stand up in, uh, I, for me, I don't think the first thing I would think of is truck camper. And trust me, I've, I've been in some where I'm just blown away, like how spacious and nice they are. You think like you're in the bed of a truck. How can it be this spacious inside, even in that small right. combined area? But how come you guys didn't go with a pole behind, if you don't mind me asking? Um, well, admittedly, ours is not one of the ones you walk in and you feel like it's very small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but, I mean, it's not super small. But yeah. uh, I think our big reason was we walked into a few of the, you know, the towable traditional trailers and um, it just felt like they they moved a little bit more than we liked. Um, and some of the, uh, the, you know, the interior walls felt kind of chintzy and that sort of thing. And um, it wasn't necessarily a truck camper. It, you know, it, we weren't necessarily looking for a truck camper. We happened to walk into this specific truck camper and, um, and realized how much we liked it and then considered truck campers from there. So um, it was more so this brand and this model than truck campers in general that actually drew us to, uh, to this one. So. Right. It's a, it's a really solid um, camper. You know, it doesn't feel like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like you're in a camper that's going to deteriorate really quickly. And so, you know, I mean, we've had it since 2016 and uh, it's still going really strong. And yeah. so I expect that it's going to continue with us, hopefully, until we run it into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so add it to the list. When somebody says, what should I get? They can add truck camper. And it sounds like you have a tow behind or, you know, a second vehicle, which is interesting to me because a lot of time with truck campers, you know, when you leave a spot, you're usually taking the truck and the camper with you. And so like when I have conversations with people where they're like, what should I get? And I really try to just hone in on kind of what they're doing for their travel. It sounds like you guys can leave the the truck and the camper and then just jump in the car if you need be, which is, which is nice. That's got to be, make it a lot easier too, in a way. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's great for us. Um, our truck is kind of at the max with the camper and our car is, uh, an all wheel drive and automatic and not set up well to be flat towed. So we actually drive them separately, mm -hmm. but um, given the amount of time that we spend together doing everything else, the couple hours in the car <laughs> apart from one another is totally fine. So we actually, got like <laughs> that's funny. And we, you know, we, we, uh, the, the truck and the camper, I consider our home and we take the, the Honda element out as, you know, it, it ends up being like our commuter and we put all the miles on that thing. It's got over 200,000 miles on it. And we, we car camp out of that, you know? Um, and so we take that in places that we wouldn't necessarily take our home. So. Right. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of, as a lot of our viewers know, trucks are not cheap. Um, and, you know, so anything we can do to keep the miles off the truck and, you know, um, keep it as long as we can. We try to do that too. So. Yep. Yeah, no, I think it's awesome that you guys took off with what you had. And it sounds like when you yep. bought it, you guys weren't really thinking full-time anyways. And then it just kind of yeah. came into play, which is nice. A lot of people, yeah. I, myself included, you know, went out and bought a brand new 42 foot fifth wheel, never right. RV'd before. Um, probably should have, you know, thought through, I, I'm really happy with what we have. Don't get me wrong, but they're definitely, you know, a 36 or a 34 foot would have been really nice too kind of a thing. And it's just one of those things you do have to kind of take some time, but if you already have something, just go with that. You can always upgrade or downgrade if you already own it. So really smart. What's your travel yeah. schedule been like since you guys stopped 
you know, loafing off your friends in a driveway. I like how you guys start off with that. <laughs> Doing some mooch docking. What's your travel schedule kind of been like? Like, how often do you guys move? Where do you guys hang out the most? Um, I know part of this we'll get into, and obviously with work, but what it's what's it been like so far since you've been on the road? Um, yeah, so in a large part, uh, the jobs we take kind of dictates where we are for how long and uh, what direction we're going from there and that sort of thing. Uh, but generally, um, when we're working, we'll uh, be in one spot for anywhere from like three to six months, I guess. Um, and then uh, we'll travel from there. So uh, in the most recent few months, we've been um, around the Southwest a lot, Arizona a lot. Um, and right now we're working our way up to uh, Olympic National Park, where our next job will be starting for the summer. Um, you know, so we do a lot of boondocking um, between our the seasonal jobs that we do. Um, and, you know, we really try to camp as cheaply as we can. So um, I don't think we've paid for a campground or anything like that, um, you know, in quite some time, aside mm -hmm. from like the minimal costs for campgrounds related to jobs we've done. But um, but we've been pretty we've been over, through a lot of the country, I'd say so far. Um, we started in the south in Kentucky uh, and we kind of went to the southwest from there. Um, we headed up to Yellowstone. Uh, and then we came back down. Back to the southwest. <laughs> and then we're going back up. <laughs> uh, well, well, we kind of we went over to um, Reno and kind of the northern California area for a while. Then, yeah, back down to the southwest and now we're heading back up. So, yeah. yeah. Now, in regards to work, we can transition into this. What did you guys do before when you guys, you know, were back in the bricks and sticks? I know you guys mentioned commute. What were you guys doing before? Yeah, so I um, I had always worked for nonprofit organizations, and I was an executive director. My last job was I was an executive director for a small uh, local tech organization. Uh, nonprofit. Um, and so we were really well connected. I was really well connected within the community that I was in. And that was in uh, Westminster, Maryland. That's where we lived. And Josh. <laughs> so I always love this question, actually. Um, so before we uh, left our full-time jobs, I was working as a public health emergency planner at um, a health department, our, our local health department. Uh, and my job was basically planning planning for uh, response to um, pandemics and, <laughs> um, and large-scale uh, public health emergencies. So um, we left in September of 2019, and uh, just a few months later was when COVID kind of hit the U.S. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I kind of miss it um, just from the standpoint of wow, it would have been really interesting to be doing it right now. But, um, but for the most part, I'm glad I dodged a bullet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we started full-timing right yeah. when we did. So. I mean, he would have been working, you know, around the clock uh, yeah. and it would have been insane. And then we never probably would have hit the road. You know, I think it, it, we just hit, we, we were very thankful that we left when we left, honestly. So, yeah. What are the so if any of my old coworkers listen to the podcast, uh, I'm glad you're still doing what you're doing. <laughs> they don't have Sorry, time. I'm... They don't have time to listen to the podcast. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. 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 They're saving. That's right. Without a doubt. And so, you know, what's the uh, sources of income now? I mean, obviously, it sounds like you guys are doing some, you know, camp hosting. But is that it? I don't want to just assume that's all you guys are doing. 
Right. So we were doing work camping. And the funny thing is, just like you said, we, before we got into this, that's all we thought that there was, was camp hosting. And we've actually, in the two years we've been on the road or almost two years, we haven't done any camp hosting. Uh, so we, we knew that we weren't going to be able to probably make it off of what you make when you are a camp host. Cause a lot of the times, I mean, some of the places it's almost like they want you to volunteer for your site and, you know, work, but we have, um, we have work jobs where they pay you for all of the hours worked. Um, and so we've done Amazon Camper Force, which when we first heard about that, I was like, this is not a real thing. This sounds like a made up name, <laughs> but we've done that twice now. What is and that? It is so made up. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so Amazon, Amazon hires um, folks to help out during um, the seasonal, the Christmas rush, essentially. Yeah, they call it the peak. The, the peak Amazon season. Peaks. Yeah. Okay. And so they usually hire people anywhere from starting in September all the way through. They also have a return season. So through February and um, it's usually people that are in their RVs. And in previous years, they have paid uh, $500 towards your campsite. So you pay, you know, and they, um, and then it's at specific locations where they need more employees where they can't get enough seasonal help uh, at that actual spot. And so um, the first time we did it, we did it in Kentucky. And, uh, then the second time we did it was in Reno. And, um, this coming year we have for 20, 21, 21 slash, yeah, 22, we're going to be, we've signed up to work in Houston. Uh, but this year they've changed it where the campground, the payment for the campground is actually going to come into your check, your paycheck, and then you would reimburse the campground. Um, but, you know, you you make the $15 an hour that Amazon pays and sometimes uh, they give you different seasonal incentives um, and there's always a bonus at the end if you were a good Amazon employee, which doesn't usually take much. <laughs> um, and yeah, and so both of the times we've worked at done these jobs, they've been overnight jobs. So we, we're working the graveyard and oftentimes you can pick up a lot of overtime um, and usually it's any, you know, we've done about three months, both times was yeah. what we, we did. So, um, so yeah, so you're just working in the facility, doing whatever it is that they tell you to do. You're, you know, a little cog in the machine, but you're only a cog in the machine for a short amount of time. <laughs> and I believe that was the, the main character in Nomadland's kind of job when we get introduced to her. I don't want to do too many spoilers on the movie, but I thought that's what it, oh, yeah. I thought that's what it might be, but then I just wanted to kind of double check because I don't know necessarily the terms of it, which is, uh, I mean, it's good for people to like find out about. Maybe at the end we'll talk about a little too where people can find out about that kind of a job as well. And those yeah. three month little shifts, that's able to kind of fund you know, when you're not working the rest of the time until you come around to another one of those, or is there stuff in between? Um, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so, well, it, awesome. well, we make more, generally we make more working at Amazon than we spend in the time that we're actually there. So um, that helps us to cover some of the time that we're off. Um, but we do try to work uh, during the summer as well and find a summer gig somewhere. Um so usually we're, you know, we don't take off for more than maybe three to four months at a time before we pick up another gig um, and try to kind of build that savings back up to, uh, you know, to get us through until the next one after that. So, um, 
So let me um let me do a little. I'm gonna throw you guys kind of a, a curveball real quick. That because I know you're not prepared for this in any way. But if your old life cost you a hundred dollars a month, what does this life cost you per month? Now, well, you don't have to give out specific details. You can right. just right. So I, I don't I don't know per month, but I can tell you that we are basically living off of a third of what we used to make. Um, so thirty three dollars and thirty three cents. That was quick, Josh. Um, I like it. Um, and how's the debt going? I mean, I I mean, you don't have to get too deep into it, but I know that's you know, hey, it's it, this lifestyle's really helped me uh, get out of debt. It's a slow process, obviously, because I left with a ton of it. Um, how's yeah. that been going for you guys? So, you know, we, we basically paid off everything. Um, yeah, we paid off everything before we hit the road, nice. uh, except we had one small, like I had a, still had a student loan um, yeah. debt that I was paying on, but we've paid that off since we've been on the road. And, um, you know, somehow working <laughs> eight to nine months out of the year, we are still putting money into our savings and we've had more in our savings than we ever did before when we were working, you know, these jobs were making three times what we're making right now. So um, I don't know. It just, it blows my mind because I spent so much time worrying and like running the numbers. Like, how are we going to do this? We're not retired. We don't have jobs online. Like this is going to be impossible. And you know what? It's actually pretty awesome. It's great that we don't have to work, you know, for a couple of months out of the year. And um, yeah, so it's, it's great. (laughs) It sounds like a really smart plan. Now it, you said student loan, Josh, I will assume that you graduated from college as well. Yeah, uh, I was lucky enough to not have any uh, student loan debt. Uh, but I mean, I spent a lot of time paying off credit card debt from all the beer and quesadillas I lived on during college. So, uh, <laughs> I hear you, buddy. Now, <laughs> we had enough of that. I, I bring it up because I, I do find it very interesting that the majority of people that I interview on the show are doing something that obviously had nothing to do with kind of their college degree or their idea of what they would do in life. Right. And I always battle that because I just think 18 and trying to figure out what the hell you're going to do for the rest of your life is the dumbest thing. Like it's like at some point someone's got to wake up and say, you shouldn't go to college until you're 25. Take those seven years to do what we're all doing right now instead kind of a thing. And so for me, how is that for you guys? I, I don't, I didn't, you know, I had a kid at like 19, so college was out, you know, kind of a thing. And so I don't have that where I spent four years and like all this idea and plan and have to deal kind of with that sometimes. Is there anything in and around that where you guys are like, man, what a waste, what a scam, or has it been like, no, it was cool, whatever? Yeah, well, so not only like I I have a bachelor's, but I also have a master's and that put us in significant debt, like hardcore debt. And just the other day we were talking about how like, Oh God, what a waste. That was such a waste. But you know, the reality is um, it obviously it will be with me forever. Right. And so if we at some point need to jump back in to, you know, the, whatever the rat race or whatever it might be, if we need to have higher paying jobs at some point, I still have a master's degree. I still have all that experience. So um, hopefully somebody will think that I'm employable and, and offer me a job that pays more than $15 an hour. And, and, um, but at the same time, every, when we were working in Yellowstone, we worked with a lot of younger kids or kids that were um, like college age. And I, I, 
can't tell you how many of them that I was like, it's all I don't, you know, you don't have to have a degree, like just keep traveling, don't get into debt and just keep traveling. That's what you should be doing right now. So, um, so I kind of go back and forth with it, you know? Yeah, I do too. I always tell people get into travel debt. Like that's a better debt. I feel like, you know, if you have to put something on credit cards, like put those experiences on not, you know, cause you just don't know. And, and I know we jumped ahead and I always like to ask this, but how was the downsizing process for you guys? Because you're, I don't even know, is there a square footage on a truck camper? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Well, so we, I measured just the other day, I was wondering. And so the walkable space in our truck camper is two feet by seven feet. So like you might be able to lay down in it, um, in that walkable space, but I don't know otherwise like livable space. Otherwise you're sitting or you're um, laying down. There are prisoners listening right now that are like, wow, that's really small. <laughs> so, no, but really, Pookie, if you're listening, what's up, buddy? Um, that's amazing. I mean, how was it, though? I mean, obviously, you have to get rid of, like, everything. Like, how was that yeah. process? Yeah. Yeah. Well, our overall living space is about 120 square feet, I think, Maybe. something like I that. Um, but, uh, yeah, for the most part, we, we sold what we could. Uh, we gave a lot of stuff away to friends um, and, you know, a few things I kind of conned my parents into taking back. <laughs> you know, one of the hard, the hardest parts was uh, my parents actually downsized about a year before we did. And we weren't quite ready to tell them that we were going to just move into our cellar house and move into our camper. You know? <laughs> so we kind of had to act like we were okay with taking all the stuff that they didn't know what to do with and just put it in our basement for a while. Yeah. So we ended um, up with like a desk. And right. Like, so we actually ended up with more stuff than we planned. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we were lucky in some regards that we, uh, we didn't have a huge house, you know? Right. So, um, and we did have a lot of friends who were willing to, um, to take some of the stuff. Yep. Uh, and, you know, and for the most part, we were able to find good homes for anything that really meant a lot to us. And uh, and other than that, than that, I um, I had kind of started a uh, side uh, junk haul- hauling business oh, before um, we left. Yeah. yeah, before we left, using my truck, uh, just running stuff to the dump for people, just to kind of pick up some extra cash. And uh, I ended up making quite a few trips for us as well. So. <laughs> you did, right, but the you know the other thing because we have two vehicles. We still end up storing a lot of stuff in the back of Josh's truck, and the Honda Element has also like a Thule, um storage thing on the top of it. So, I mean, I feel like we still kind of have a lot of stuff. But don't get me wrong; we don't have like the storage space, obviously, of someone with a Class A. Uh, but it still kind of feels like we have a lot. Yeah, yeah. I re- recently, you know, got solar at the end of last year, and you know, brought in a lot of weight, which then I had to go through and get rid of stuff. And it was amazing that even as much as I downsized after, you know, three years, I was still finding stuff I hadn't used in those three years that I was holding on to. Yeah. And has it been freeing for you guys to have less? Uh, how has that been for you guys? Oh yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, when we decide we want to go to a different spot, we can pick up and leave in five minutes if we have yeah, to. Yeah, it's quick. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, it makes every day much more of a, you know, we want to do this today and we're going to do it kind of thing. Um, you know, and it feels, we feel a, a lot less locked down in one spot than we ever did before. Yeah. And the same thing with like the jobs that we're working. I don't know why that also feels really freeing. I think because of 
before both of our jobs were, you know, we were answering emails and text messages and Slack and all of the things around the clock, you know, and now the jobs that we work, you punch in and you're not even stressed out when you're at the job and then you punch back out and you're still not stressed, you know? So um, that's been super freeing as well. Yeah. I can't remember the last job that I didn't take work home with me and whether it was, right. you know, emails or just, you know, oh, I've got to figure, finish this report where you actually leave work at work. Like, like you're supposed to like legitimately, right. you know, and I think it's great too. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so stoked that you're on the show talking about it. Cause I think a lot of people really get stuck in their careers. They really get stuck in the amount of money they're making. They're not going to tell people they're making $15 an hour. I didn't expect you to share the actual details of it, but I think that's what's so important is we really do get caught in this matrix of, you know, impressing people that we don't care about, which is weird. And we all fall victim to it. And I love that you even talked about the yard that, you know, once you don't have pets, what's really a yard for? Why are we mowing it? Like that kind of stuff is funny to me that people realize it in this lifestyle. So I am truly grateful that you guys are open and transparent about it because there are people that are thinking about it. But I do want to talk about what it's been like with family and friends, because I got to assume like anything in life, when you do something that in their eyes looks like a step backwards or, you know, falling off a cliff backwards, you know, right. how has that been for you guys, you know, kind of navigating that? Because I have to assume and maybe there isn't, but I have to assume there has been a lot of, you know, you're nuts. What are you doing? Why? What's going on? I, I think we had a, a little bit of both. Um, the people that knew us really well were like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, and <laughs> I've done some other weird stuff throughout life. And, um, you know, so for the people that were close to us, it made sense. And they, I think we're very supportive at one point. Do you remember, um, uh, your best friend Garrett was like, you know, you're getting rid of all this stuff. And if I didn't know that you were planning to go full-time, I would have to start asking, like, are you right, doing okay? Right. Do we need to call the suicide <laughs> hotline sort of thing? Um, and not to make light of that in any way, but, you know, I, I could see somebody from the outside thinking that, like, what are they doing? They're getting rid of all their stuff, um, you know, but the people that I was most nervous to tell were, like, when we were going to sell our house, we, I felt like we needed to kind of sell it in secret and so finding a realtor that I felt safe doing that in a community where everybody knew who we were and um, I still wanted to keep my job for a few months after we sold uh, the house. Uh, and I didn't want my employer to necessarily know that I was living in our little camper in our friend's driveway. Um, and his response was awesome. Like the guy that I reached out to was like, this is so rad. Uh, of course, I'll help you sell that house, you know, so um those are a couple of the responses that I specifically remember. Yeah. For the most part, um, our, our family and friends were actually a lot more supportive than I thought they would be. Um, you know, I, I kind of mentioned that we were nervous about telling my parents and we went out to dinner with them um, a few months before we put the house on the market and told them what our plan was. Uh, and they were, they were kind of like, wow, yeah, good for you. <laughs> um, so you know, it, it, there was, there was some, some unexpected responses, you know, and at work, um, at my job after it, you know, fully came out what we were doing. Um, a lot of people I worked with were just like, wow, that's awesome. You know, that's amazing that you're doing that. I remember somebody actually saying to me, you guys are like local folk heroes for doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Getting out. <laughs> so I mean, it, uh, is, it yeah. is funny, right? That, 
there was this whole SNL skit, you know, about living in a van down by the river. And that was like the yeah. ultimate you're a loser. And it's so weird yeah. that that's turned out to be like legitimately people's life goals now. And, and I, I remember reading about some guy that was Wall Street making a million dollars a year, had all the things and quit everything and went to go work at Trader Joe's. And I remember at the time when I read it, I really did have that what an idiot, what a moron type thing. And then it's so funny that I accidentally came across it again. And through these lenses, I was like, I totally get it. Like he just wanted to go to work. He wanted to wear a cool Hawaiian shirt. He wanted to help people and he wanted to go home and not have to worry about all the money and all the stocks and all the people and all the things. And I was like, I get it. I totally get it now. But it's weird that just in a couple of years, just how much my lens had changed. Yeah. I'm glad you guys didn't suffer through a lot of it. There's, there is a lot of, it stops people, family, like, like close connections with family that they think if they go on the road, somehow that hurts it or people and family and friends thinking there's a drug problem, you know, oh, you guys are getting divorced. Something's not right. This doesn't make sense. And it just becomes this very negative thing. That's hard to move past for a lot of people. So I'm glad that you guys didn't have to deal with as much as that as I kind of expected maybe you guys would be dealing with because there's so much change. It's not like you guys both had like remote jobs and then just said, hey, we're going to take our remote jobs on the road. It's career change, house change, everything. And in a sm probably one of the smallest kind of setups that I've had on the show. So I'm glad you guys right. didn't have to go through that. Um, well, oh, go ahead. I, I just want to say the thought of like having to – continue the jobs and continue in sort of that lifestyle pre full-time to retirement was something that I was like, I don't know how people do it. I, I like, I can't, I really cannot wrap my head around like for the next 30 years, I'm going to be working this job. There's there, I, that is just crazy to me. And um, now that we do these seasonal jobs, I, I mean, I just, I love it so much. <laughs> My yeah. family may legitimately think we're crazy, but they're too nice to say otherwise. That's so. <laughs> <laughs> always good too, for sure. Yeah, I think it is really, it is a weird phenomenon that we don't stop and, and look at this situation. And I get there are people that want to work the same job, live in the same town for 30 years. And, you know, kudos yeah. to you because that's what makes you happy. But, right, right. but it is this like where, you know, one is, you know, you, you're made to feel like this is, just something you're supposed to do in your 20s if you do it or when you retire like that's the weird thing too like it's not now continue to work and you do it when you retire you know I just recently turned 50 which is not old at all like not even close to it and yet I'm already like oh man I just there's no way I could do this at 75 or 80 when I'm supposed to be retired there's just no way physically besides you know sitting in a hammock I'm not doing some of the things I'm doing now so I'm so glad I didn't wait until it was you know politically correct to live a lifestyle that looks like I'm retired exactly yeah. Yeah. it's funny you say that because the the concept of full-time RVing was not foreign to me um you know for most of my adult life but I always put it in in the context of you have to do it when you retire yeah. because right. You know, the only way you can do it is to have a pension coming in or a social security coming in or something like that. Yep. And, um, you know, so I just always, I dismissed it for a long time as any sort of a viable lifestyle for us at the age we are now. Right. Um, and I know. think a lot of that was the mental block around like, how are we going to be able to do this on these seasonal jobs that don't pay a whole heck of a lot? But when they typically pay for your campground um, and then they pay a wage on top of that. And for us, the things that we enjoy doing are hiking. So that's, you know, free. Um, it's made it very manageable. So. 
No, yeah. it sounds like it. I, it was funny too when you were talking about the job. The one thing I've been thinking about, a lot of my friends are, they head back to work now. It's so odd to me that they've been not going into the office for a year. Production is up. Like the, uh, everyone that I know that works at a company where it's that type of job where you're not customer facing, the business is booming. Yet the bosses still want people to come back to the office and pay for the offices even, you know what I mean? And it's like, how can we help you realize you're an absolute moron? You have people that are working from home and being able to be more involved with their families and they're better employees for it, probably working less if they really, you know, or at least getting more work done because there's not the water cooler, there's not the fatigue from the commute in the morning, all this kind of BS. It's just weird that they're asking these people to come back. Now, granted, an Amazon job, you, you do have to go back. I mean, the, the, you're doing physical work. It makes sense. But these jobs where you can do anywhere, I just don't understand why people have to go back. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either. I, I was hoping that that would kind of stick for people. But um, the weird phenomenon, we'll see what happens, I guess, in the next couple of years. Yeah, without a yeah. doubt. So when you guys aren't traveling, you're not working. Um, and it sounds like you guys have a good stretch of just you know, not working. What are you guys doing for fun? What's the, uh, what we like to call exploring? What are you guys doing? Where are you guys going? What are things you guys enjoy doing? Uh, so mostly we're hiking. Yeah, that's like... <laughs> we, we both like to kayak, uh, and we actually own four kayaks, but we left them all in West Virginia when we went full time. <laughs> um, you know, that's one of the drawbacks to, uh, just living as small as we do. We can't bring everything with us. Um, and you know, so, uh, we focus a lot on hiking because we always have hiking boots. We always have our legs yeah. <laughs> everywhere we go. Uh, so we try to, you know, stay in the vicinity of some of the national parks and that sort of thing the that we want to visit. Um, yeah. And find some state parks. Um, and we try to find some of the, the more obscure uh, hikes on, you know, BLM land and that sort of thing too. Um, you know, so we, we generally stay in one spot uh, for as long as we want to and see everything there that we want to see before we move on and just do it slowly. Uh, as long as we stay on the, the timeline we need to, to be to our next job by the, by the first day, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. And so like this, you know, you're catching us on, uh, we're going into month four of not working. And so, you know, we're in this slow groove of life where like we wake up in the morning whenever we want and we have a big breakfast and yeah. we eventually get going. And um, usually, we'll, you know, we leave the camper on BLM land and we take the Honda element for, we'll, we'll sort of go anywhere from an hour to sometimes even more than that to get to a place where we think it's going to be an awesome hike or something and um, spend the day there and then come back and do it all over again. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this, this has been just a nice, a really nice chunk of time where we haven't been working and we've done a lot of exploring. We recently were to Zion and Bryce and Capitol Reef. Yeah, we just spent two weeks in Kanab, Utah, and, um, you know, went everywhere there within a within an hour and a half drive uh, in those two weeks and did every hike we wanted to, with the exception of the, the wave, because we never won the lottery for it. But other than that... <laughs> Um, you know, we did every hike in the area we wanted to, so, yeah. and, and still had a couple days to just relax and chill, you know, cause some of those hikes were 12, 13 mile hikes. Mm -hmm. And the next day, you know, most, most of those days I said, I was only going to do that hike if the next day we could stay home and not do anything. eat burgers. Makes sense. I, I got to pull two things out of what you guys just said. So, cause I want to make sure people hear it. We skip by things fast. 
you guys make $15 an hour, but you're just on month four of not working. I want people to think about that. Not, not about being unemployed, not about being out of work, but just an actual choice and being able to spend four months without working to be able to do all these things to then go back to a seasonal job again is mind blowing. I hope people hear that. And then you guys said like kind of off the beaten path hikes. I drove through Moab recently and everyone's trying to get to, I don't know if it's shipwreck mountain or shipwreck rock, whatever it's called. And there's just these amazing mountains as I get past that. I'm like, you know, if they put a fence around that and called it a national park, everyone would be trying to get there. <laughs> yeah. It's so yeah. weird. <laughs> that it has to be some sort of like Instagram destination. Like you can't, yeah. it doesn't have to be that. Like some of the most off the beaten path type stuff that you, you know, has really no national claim to it or people will be like, oh, I've seen that. Those are some of the best experiences. And it's funny that even in like hikes, we get called to like very specific ones. And there's just so many areas you can hike. It's so weird to me. And I experienced that myself when I drove to Moab because there's some amazing mountains that are just not shipwreck that look like yeah. a shipwreck too. Like, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> how come that one looks like a, that one looks like, you know, the evergreen stuck in the canal. Let's go look at that. Um, yeah. We just did one. What was the one where we walked through this wash for like six miles or something and it had all these um, spires and it was um, the a hoodoo trail. It was a hoodoo trail. Um, and now I forget what it was called, but, anyways. <laughs> but it, it was, it was near, uh, near Kanab. Um, and yeah, it was a 10 mile round trip. Um, not a super popular hike, but, yeah. uh, but it was, it was awesome. It was, I mean, it was crazy. A great. Yeah. And just like you said, had you put, you know, if you could have got your passport for the national park stamp there, everybody would have been lining up, but instead we had the whole place to ourselves. Yeah. So yeah. I also noticed on hikes, if you can go like a mile or two out, even the popular places, narrows or whatever, if you can go a good stretch, you will end up being by yourself. Most people. And I know I've talked about in this show that even like Lone Rock, where people just drive up, they take the photo, they get back in the car, they leave. That's their yeah. Lone Rock experience. And a lot of people, the same thing. They want the photos of being in the Narrows. They do maybe a couple hundred yards. They get the photo with the cute boots and the stick, and they turn around. But if you can go at least two miles, I think, deep into any hike, you would really do end up by yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. We, you know, so our last summer, we were in Yellowstone for five, almost six months. And um, that's definitely the case for Yellowstone. If you go, a mile it drops off because people are like you said just jumping out of their cars taking a photo and we did some epic hikes there um that uh, were incredible and saw places that you know one of the places we saw we backpacked in spent the night um with some friends and then backpacked out but it was to this place where there's a um a waterfall and it's called denanda falls waterfall and then a hot, hot spring. springs adjacent to the river so you so they're that actually the only hot springs in yellowstone that you can sit in because they're also fed by the river so you're not sitting directly in the thermal feature itself yeah so you can sit in this hot spring looking up at this amazing waterfall and again we had that basically to ourselves with our couple of friends um but nobody else was out there <laughs> that's very cool well you know, I think we've definitely touched on the explore. I think you've got people thinking about getting out there, especially with that amount of time off. And you reminded me that I did have some guests on that did some seasonal stuff in and around skiing and then had the summers off. And, you know, it, oh, nice. it really is a really cool, interesting way to look at life, you know, that you just don't, you don't need to work 52 weeks a year. Um, and you get to spend a big chunk of it exploring, which is amazing. Now, I will assume that there's been some some highs and lows in this life. And 
I like to start with the lows, so at least we're ending with the high. But it can't be in and around COVID, flat tires, bad internet, which doesn't sound like it's a huge <laughs> deal because you guys aren't working necessarily through internet. Um, but what's been a low maybe that you just didn't expect in this lifestyle that maybe kind of hit you guys? Um, for me, the low came uh, while we were working in Yellowstone. Um, so I was doing uh, custodial work. We worked at a general store, uh, a very busy general store in the, the park. And um, for the most part, we loved our jobs. I, I love going yeah, to work it was at awesome. each day, actually. Yeah. Um, but as a custodian, I think sometimes you know, that has a certain, a certain image in people's heads, I think. Um, and some people just tend to not respect people working jobs of that type. And uh, one day I was out uh, sweeping up in front of the store and somebody literally threw trash at me. Um, and they got me from behind and it was a big crowd and it was just, you know, a, a small piece of trash. So I don't even know who it was, but um, it kind of, I kind of lost, lost my faith in humanity for a little bit that day, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I, it really made me feel more, not for myself, but for the people who um, are working those kinds of jobs full time in places that aren't as beautiful as Yellowstone yeah. um, and what, and how are they being treated and that sort of thing. Um, you know, so I think that was my low, uh, you know, just, it, it really wasn't RVing related as much as job related. Yeah. Um, no, but that's, yeah. it's a good point because I think a lot of times, you know, I, I feel like I noticed this in and around campgrounds where RVers that are weekenders, they are on vacation and they think the camp hosts or the staff there are there to serve them in a way that like hotel people are, you know what I mean? And, and not even really the hotel people aren't really there, they're to serve you either. Like that's not, but it's just weird when I see that where I'm like, oh, that's a weekender. Like I can pick it out so fast now and just right. they're at it. You know, we'll just leave the bottles here in the fire pit and someone will come pick. No, that's not how that works. You know, you got to take yeah. it to the trash kind of a thing. But yeah, I'm sorry you had to go through that, but you're right. Our, there's still a lot of just really crappy people, even when you're at Yellowstone and it's supposed to be this happy, fun time. I've heard Hi. from friends that work at Disneyland that have gotten treated like complete garbage by people. Oh. And it's just, oh. Yeah. Yeah, it, that was pretty frustrating. But for the most part, most of the people there were, were great and were happy that they were out doing something. Yeah. And um, I don't know if we're both supposed to have a high and a low, but I'll, I'll give another low if that's Please. okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, there's no low um, maximum. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, when we were working in, um, oh, Albuquerque. So one of the jobs that we did, which is a job that we probably won't ever do again, it wasn't really a good fit for us, uh, but we, for two, almost three months, we did taxes for Jackson Hewitt, uh, and so we were in an office behind a computer, and um, we uh, we ended up quitting that job early. We didn't complete the whole thing, but anyways, we went out to eat with some friends, uh, some coworkers, and our car, the Honda Element, got broken into. Everybody else parked in a parking lot, and we parked on the street, and our car got broken into, and um, it was like the longest drive home because the only thing that they took, like, we have camping gear back, you know, backpacking gear, we had tools in there. The only thing that they took was this ratty backpack that Josh was taking back and forth to work um, and and back and forth like to the shower or something, I think, too. And um, and that was the only thing that they grabbed. And then it dawned on us, though, that that week we had 
paid, we had done our taxes, our own taxes. So like all of our tax documents had been in that backpack at one point during the week. And then we were also transitioning from being Maryland residents to being South Dakotans um, and, you know, having all of our, our truck and the camper and the car all switched over to South Dakota. Basically every important document we own. <laughs> yeah, it was at some point in that backpack during the week. And so there it was Friday and Josh was like, that whole drive home, we weren't sure if he had taken it all out or not. And so it was the longest drive home. And thankfully we got home and realized, no, it was in the camper and everything was put away and nobody had stolen our identity. Um, they probably would have brought it back anyways, but um, but they did get away with what, like a stick of used deodorant and a <laughs> stick of used- um, My inhaler, I've got asthma and they stole it. Your inhaler and a bar of soap, yeah. which, you know, so you just have this feeling of like being violated and it made us go down these rabbit holes of like, we need to, you know, get a security system and put all of our stuff away and people are just awful. And, you know, we ended up doing absolutely nothing and took it as a learning lesson and just thought that probably that person needed the bar of soap more than Josh did. <laughs> yeah, I think the, one of the difficult parts about that whole situation was um, just when you're living on the road and, and in areas that you're not super familiar with, solving those problems after they happen is a little bit more difficult too, you know, um, just figuring out where to go to get it fixed uh, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. in Albuquerque, I think it happens all the time. They, like, does, do you remember yeah. like the, the place like had our, our window repaired in a few, I don't even think it was an hour. They yeah. were like, Oh yeah, here you go. We've got that in stock. Yep. Done. So. <laughs> yeah. I remember, you know, coming from Los Angeles, there was this really like heightened sense of things getting stolen kind of for me. And it, it's really died down. Like I rarely lock anything almost because the damage to break in would probably cost more than what you could steal kind of a mentality. <laughs> yes. in a way. But I do, this is something I probably never talked on the show is in Facebook groups. People are always like, well, how are you keeping your, you know, your rig secure when you're gone, blah, blah, blah. And I always love the, I got a gun. Yeah. And I'm always like, gonna... what's your gun doing when you're not at home? Yeah. How does your gun, <laughs> right. is it like on a Roby like vacuum machine and it can like shoot people or, you know, we leave our dog and I'm like, your dog's home all day long in that camper. Really? That's what you, it's the most bizarre thing. Instead of just saying, you know what? We really don't worry about it that much because it really yeah. isn't a big issue. I was the guy that locked my hitch inside of my truck. Uh, no joke for the longest time. Cause I just thought, Oh, this is, you know, it's got value. It's got three pins and it's yours. And uh, right. yeah, it was insane. Like the stuff that you go through. And I agree with you guys that, you know, I mean, I wouldn't want important papers stolen for sure. I agree with that, but whatever they take, they probably need it more than you and you can replace it. Just don't break the window. Like, at least be a good thief where you can, you know, just pop the car open, that kind of a thing. <laughs> right, yeah. right. That's all we For ask. Part, if you're going to break <laughs> in, just don't break in. Just go in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, we just don't have anything worth stealing. Yeah. Now, you <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, let's go into the highs then. So, and again, you can each have your own. What's been that kind of like, I can't believe this is our life moment? Um, for me, the high was also in Yellowstone. Uh, and it is sort of COVID related in a sense. Um, our, our jobs, well, so Yellowstone actually closed for a while because of COVID. Um, and so they started the season late, opened up late. Um, so our jobs starting were actually a little bit delayed. Um, but when we started, we were still in there about two weeks before they opened the West Gate to uh, the park. 
and we were working in the old faithful area. Um, so, you know, if you don't know the park that well, it doesn't mean much, but the Westgate is the closest to old faithful and is still an hour and a half away from there. Um, but basically that meant that anybody who came in during that time, uh, had to come in through the North and, uh, they really didn't get into our area until after maybe 10 AM. And there wasn't anywhere to stay in the park at the time either. So they had to be out by six pretty much. Um, so before those hours every day, it was like the park was totally empty. And we were so close to some of the most amazing parts of Yellowstone that, I mean, we got to see, you know, the first time we saw Faithful Erupt, it was us and six people watching, <laughs> you know, um, in the middle of July, if we went to see Old Faithful Erupt, it was us and oh, 900, 1,000 yeah. people, Closest you know, <laughs> um, and uh, and Grand we got to, we, we went to Grand Prismatic. We um, walked around Grand Prismatic. We were literally the only people there. Um, where in, you know, the, the busier parts of the year, there were so many cars that, I mean, cars were lined a mile down the road trying to get into Grand Prismatic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think just, you know, it's COVID definitely threw a wrench into a lot of things. And, you know, I certainly wouldn't wish it ever to happen again, but, um, you know, when life throws you lemons, you make lemonade. And that was, uh, you know, it was just one of those once in a lifetime experiences to be able to see that park in that way. Yeah, um, awesome. You know, that if we were living any other life, we never would have had that, that opportunity. Yeah, so. that was awesome. Is that for you too, Amy? You're going to piggyback on that? Well, well, no, I have my own. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, but it's also related to Yellowstone, of course, uh, because we spent so much time there and absolutely love that park. But, um, but it's also related to full-time RVing and the community around full-time RVing. So we were working for one of the concessionaires in Yellowstone, but there was another, there, there are a couple in Yellowstone. So those are the, the people that, you know, the companies that run the, the stores and the campgrounds and all that sort of stuff. And there was another couple, uh, they go by RV Mystery Machine, it's Cindy and Mark, and they love to hike. They're a little bit younger than us, uh, but we we were like, hey, we should try to hang out sometime if we have days off together. And they uh, said, hey, we've got this great hike. We tried to do one other season and we didn't finish it. Uh, but would you guys be interested? And we were like, of course, we're always down for a hike. And then we found out that it was a 20 mile day hike. And uh, I think I was probably more enthusiastic than Josh was about that. <laughs> but, um, you know, we were like, sure, for sure, we're totally down. And so this is, it was 20 miles across Hayden Valley, and you have to do it uh, in one day because of all of the wildlife. So there, you know, the bear activity they, and the wolves and whatever else, they don't allow you to actually camp, you know, hike 10 miles camp and then hike rest of it. And it's also sort of straight across the um, Yellowstone. So it's kind not, middle section of the park. yeah, it's not like a loop, you know, so you have to put one car on one side and one car on the other side. And um, so we had never actually met these guys, right? So Cindy and Mark were just our Instagram friends. <laughs> and the first time we're meeting them is like 4am on the side of the road in Yellowstone. It's pitch black. And we're all like, Hey, we're going to do this crazy hike. This is insane. It's so nice to meet you. We're going to leave one car. We'll all jump in a car together. And, um, it, I mean, I remembered then, and then we had a long drive to the start of the hike and we're, you know, asking all the questions and stuff. And I remember saying, 
I was like, hey, so how come you guys didn't finish the hike the first time you tried it, whatever, last season that you tried it? And and they were like, oh, well, we got really lost. <laughs> and, um, and then we ran into some wolves. And so we had to turn around. And, you know, and I remember I was sitting in the back seat and I was like, oh, my God, what did we get ourselves <laughs> into? This is a 20 mile hike, you know, with people that we don't know. Uh, and I don't, we're going to run into bears. And, um, but you know, the whole thing ended up being incredible. One, it was just incredible to say like, oh yeah, I just did a 20 mile hike in one day. Um, it was beautiful. It was just the four of us on that trail the entire time while us, and then we eventually did run into bison and, um, we saw, uh, wolves through binoculars and we did get a little lost but we got back on track um, but it was one of those things where it's sort of like only in the RV club sort of you know like the full-time RVers would you be like oh yeah I'm totally down for doing this thing with someone that I don't know where we might totally die but you know we made some great friends out of it and it's was by far like my favorite hike that we've ever done that's very cool it, it almost yeah. started as a low <laughs> and then yeah. it turned into an high, which is you're kind of throwing me for a minute. I, if I was, I was Josh, I'd be like, I'm up for the driving part. I'll totally, you guys go and I'll be there at the end and I'll pick you up. I'll have burgers and beer waiting. Um, yeah. I always try to remind people when it comes to this community, um, don't come to a judgment based on what you're seeing on social media, especially within, you know, RV groups, I talk about all the time, it really are some of the worst humans in the world that are, you know, on the other side of those computers. But I have not ran into those people in campgrounds or when boondocking or when hiking. I just really haven't. And for a lot of people, when they're like, oh, I'm thinking about this lifestyle, they get into these groups and I can't imagine them wanting to get out there after it. But there are some amazing just human beings out in this lifestyle that I've just really enjoyed getting to know, you know, whether through social and then meeting them in person or meeting them in person and then continue to be friends on social. So yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's really been great. And, you know, in Yellowstone, we got to meet a bunch of full-time RVers because everybody was coming through there, you know, so that was awesome too. Without a doubt. Yeah. Well, speaking of social, if you guys are wanting to let people know where they can find you and hang out, ask questions, I mean, I... I don't have a big source of sending people to truck campers. So you guys will definitely be my people now, but uh, yes. yeah, if there's a way where people can reach out to you and, you know, maybe see where you guys are or ask questions about, you know, even Amazon camp force kind of a thing. So where can people find you? Uh, yeah. So the best place to find us is on Instagram. We're uh, at chasing Harley on Instagram um, on Facebook. You can find us too. We're at chasing Harley blog on Facebook. Um, and we do have a website that we actually haven't updated in quite some time, but that's chasingharley.com. Um, and we, we, uh, we promise to get to the website at some point, but, um, you know, we really enjoy living our lives. <laughs> you guys are so busy um, not working. I mean, so, but yeah, the best place is, uh, is Instagram. Yeah. Or if you're going to be in Olympic park anytime yeah. over the summer, please reach out to us. We will be working there. Yeah. And we, uh, we actually quite often have people, um, reach out via Instagram and ask questions about, you know, any job we did, um, or a lot of times about truck campers there, there definitely are some uh, specific considerations for them. Um, so yeah, and we love to talk, talk to people about that. So happy to answer any questions. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you both for making time and coming on the show and hanging out with me. I really appreciate it. It was great to get to know you both and be able to share your story. Awesome. Thank you yeah. so much, Damien. I love what you're doing with the podcast. It's been so fun to listen to all the other people and different ways that people are doing this. 
Yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having us. Well, another great episode. Big thank you again to Josh and Amy for coming on the show and sharing their story. And like always, if you want more information about them or want to connect with them, you can click on any of the links in the show notes below. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's really a big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag Rootless Living, we'll share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest, or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com, and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.